Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. He said, be me. I don't know if you're ready for me. Nah, just kidding. I feel like this message of mine is a little more serious than others or a little more calm down. If you came to one of the last ones, I threw my shoe, you know, hid behind the stage over here. It was kind of crazy. Go back and watch that one. But um, this one to me just has been on my heart for a long time and just basically... I didn't know how to convey it. I didn't know how to get what was on my heart in terms where I felt like people would understand what I was feeling. Um, Anybody ever get like that? Like you have something to say, it's in your mind, you know it, it makes sense to you, but when you start blurting it out, it's like, what are you talking about? That's what I kind of felt about about this message and the way this is. And um, I just believe, I hope, I pray, I've been praying for you guys, that this changes you, really. I know that there are messages that we hear every single day and you're like, yeah, that's great. And you leave church and it's like, what'd she say? Uh, or how do I apply it? Or I hear this message and there's great messages, great, great words from the Bible, but then you leave like, but how do I apply that in life? You know, And I don't want that. So I want you to be able to apply it, to realize it, to know it, and, and to use it every day. Make this who you are. Make this a change in your life. And I guarantee you, in this hard world, things will be a lot easier. Amen? So that's my hope and prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. I thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak your words. And I pray that it is your words and Holy Spirit that you just come down on me and you just use me. Use me as the vessel that I am mold and shape these people and, and, and make them come intangible this morning, come intangible with your love this morning, that it is felt and, and that we can't deny it and that we just hold on to that love. And we thank you for today. We thank you for everybody here, everybody listening, and we love you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So the beloved one, um, it's, it's straightforward. Again, this is probably a message that you may or may not have heard before, but I hope to bring you just one little insight that maybe is a little bit different, and maybe that's the key that helps you hold on to that word beloved. And what does beloved mean? Basically, the word beloved is an adjective that describes people you deeply love. That's all that the word beloved is. It's just an adjective that describes. So basically it's love exclamation point. So if love wasn't a big enough word to tell somebody, you add beloved in it and it makes it even deeper. That's basically what beloved means, right? And so I have a question for you guys. Who is God's beloved? And I want you to answer, shout it out, yell, whatever. Who's God's beloved? Who? Us, who else? The lost, me, everyone, Jesus. All right. The great thing about this question is there's no wrong answer. You are all correct. Who is God's beloved? It is all. It's everybody. So I have something for you this morning um, to watch, and I want you to really, really grab a hold of it. I want you to feel it. I want you to listen to every single word. I want you to view every single picture that you see, and I want you to feel it. I want you to grasp it. Pay attention and just take into this moment. Go ahead, Hagen. How can you measure up to deserve affection? To ever be enough 
for this existence When did it get so hard? Your heart is beating Alive and breathing And there's a reason why You are essential Not accidental That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> that should be the love exclamation point right there that you, are, that you are feeling. And I hope that grasped you the first time I watched it with the emotion of this message. You might say, well, Star, I know that. This is not nothing that I haven't heard before. This is something I've maybe heard a message on about two or three times. I know that I'm God's beloved. I know that he died for me. I, I know that um, I'm who he chose. Well, then why aren't we living it is my question. Why are we not living that life of belovedness? Why do we constantly toil and, and spin in a wheelhouse over and over and over and over again? If we know it, then how come we don't live in that? And yes, obviously sin is the key factor in that, and that mankind is a sinful nature. That is a key factor in there. But I do know, and I do understand, and I do have hope that 
we can live that beloved life. You can understand your worth. You can understand who you really are and who you are chosen to be. And again, that right there is what I hope you take away from and live life changed this morning from this message. That's the only thing I want to get through to you is that you are God's beloved. And I want to show you where the stops happen. I want to show you where the, where the blockades happen. I want to show you where we hit the wall and we forget about that. I want to give you some examples, give you some people in the Bible that maybe have not um, fulfilled that or felt like they were the God's beloved or whatever and just show you that you are not alone in, in the things that you feel. You are not alone in, in what you go through. You are not alone in your situations. They may be different from others, and they may be the same as something somebody went through previously, or they may be something that nobody's ever gone through around you, but we all struggle with sin. We all struggle with that sinful nature of this world, which drags us down in a sense, which makes us feel unbeloved, which makes us feel not worth, which makes us feel not loved. So let's dip into it and let's dig into it. So why am I really here? Why am I up here? Well, everything I just said, obviously, but the biggest thing that I felt like the biggest points that I want to point out is I'm here because of our disbelief. I'm here because our disbelief in man, our disbelief in God, and our disbelief in ourselves. I believe that is why I'm standing here. I believe that is why I have this opportunity to talk to you because our disbelief takes us in so many different directions. Well, what do I mean by our disbelief? Well, when you have disbelief, it causes sin. It disconnects us or rips us away. And it honestly makes us useless. We become useless in the kingdom of God when we have our disbelief against man, against God, and against ourselves. So we have these three things, man, God, and ourselves, and then we have these three things that it causes. Sin causes uh, a disconnection, rips us away from, and then makes us useless. So how do we stop that? How do we get away from that? How do we, how do we fix that? How do we understand and, and always take in that we are loved? Well, the only way to really truly do it is to believe it. And how do you believe that you are beloved? How do you believe that you are God's chosen people? You just have to live that way. You have to read your Bible um, as I'm growing in, in Christianity and growing, I am realizing, I guess it's the wisdom of God, right? I am learning that you cannot make it without understanding and reading the Bible. You can't make it. You can't make it just saying a prayer before you go to bed. You can't make it coming to church every once in a while. You can't make it, you know, having a, a quiet time every once in a while. This is something that has to be consistent. This is something when we focus on God and we focus on who God said we are, then the disconnect from man, God, and ourselves is no longer a disconnect. We're connected. We're there. We're in the same place. So why is it hard to have disbelief, or why is it that we have disbelief in man? Obviously, I said it once, and it's because of the sinful nature of man. Man hurts us. Man frustrates us. Man could be so cruel and so evil. Man disappoints us. I'm sure all of us in this room have disappointed somebody in some time or another. I have failed you. I have disappointed you in some way, some fashion, somebody in here. Your mom, your parents, the people who raise you, the people you rely on the most, the people you look up to the most will disappoint you. Your best friend will disappoint you. Your, your sister will disappoint you. And you will disappoint your family. That's a given because that's human nature. That's our sinful nature. That's a given. 
So right then and there, we have to understand that, we have to realize that, and we have to know that. And then we just kind of need to skip over that. Because yes, we are sinful. Yes, we are going to disappoint. But really, we're not fighting against man. Y'all have heard that scripture. You don't fight against the person. You don't fight against the flesh and blood. But we, we fight against the spiritual battles that weigh in, into them. We fight against that sin that is in them just as the sin is in us. And we fight against that. So in honesty, yes, man fails us. But that's not, shouldn't be our focus. Our focus is they are the beloved no matter what. No matter what they do to you, no matter what they say to you, no matter how they torment you, they are God's beloved too. And so are you. And in acting in God's beloved, we have to act in forgiveness. We have to act in love. Against God, why are we disconnect from God? Well, Sometimes we feel like God's not tangible. Some people are like, well, I don't see him, so I don't believe him. Or I don't feel him whenever I read the Bible. I don't, I don't hear the word of God. I don't see the word of God. He's not near me. Where were you when I was struggling with cancer? Where were you when I had this sickness? Where were you when that baby was on the side of the road? Where were you when this kid was getting molested? Where were you? Where were you? And that's what we constantly, constantly say about God. And that disbelief disconnects us from who God really is. And we know who God really is. We know it in the back of our mind. But we don't want to admit to it in some circumstances because we're mad at him. We're angry at him. We're frustrated. We feel like he's abandoning us. But that's not the truth. If you were to take and understand that you are God's beloved and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Then we wouldn't have a problem with God. And then ourselves. Besides man, I think this is probably the worst one. Is we toil so much over ourselves of not being good enough. Or I have done something so bad that how could anybody ever love me? Not just God, but how could anybody ever love me? How could God love me? How could I be forgiven for this? Because I've, I've done so much, I've been so bad. Or I failed my family, I failed my sister, I failed my congregation. All of those things, do those sound familiar to you? Am I the only one in this place? No. That should sound familiar to you. Those things constantly reign over. And if you've never said those things about yourself, or if you've never, I know you've heard somebody say that about themselves. I know you've been around somebody who has accepted that disbelief in their own life, that doubt in their own life. Like, how can I be loved? How can anybody love me because of who I am, of how disgusting I am? But again, if you know who you are, if you know who you truly are, then you don't bump or you don't slam into those walls. You don't get stopped by those walls anymore. You might have a little hump here and there, right? Because again, we are human. We do have that human emotion, that human connection. But you're not going to be stopped in your tracks and then think about, well, do I even want to live life anymore? Do I even want to be here anymore? Why is suicide at the highest rate right now? It's because of the disbelief. It's because of the disconnect. Why is crime the highest right now? Because of the disbelief because of the disconnect, because of the, I got to get even. And these things, like I said, are not hard to hear. I don't hear a lot of amens this morning. I don't hear a lot of hallelujahs this morning, but I knew that was going to happen. And I knew that this was going to be this way. And I will tell you that disbelief holds us back from becoming who we truly are which is God's beloved. 
Don't let that disbelief hold you back from who you really are. Is, the, is that way easy? No, but I feel like it's easier than living that disconnect between man, God, and ourselves. That road is a little bit more smooth because you know who you are, you know what God has for you, and you know what he's going to do for you. Amen? So, God kind of gives us, when I, uh, being a school teacher, um, God kind of has, uh, or not God, excuse me, the school district being in leadership, the leadership things that I have read, they kind of teach you that don't put a lot of rules on people, right? Uh, rules just kind of are meant, for bro- meant to be broken, right? Rules, they get, uh, I don't know, for some reason when you give people a long list of rules, it's like they don't know what to do. They don't know where they're at, right? But guidelines for those rules, for some reason our brain can comprehend guidelines but can't comprehend. Given Moses 10 commandments, 10 rules, 10 laws, right? And if you notice, those 10 commandments are not there anymore, but they are there. They are just now guidelines in two forms. So in Matthew uh, chapter, let's see, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 39. First guideline, love God with all your heart and with all your mind. The second guideline, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't believe that you are God's beloved, then can you follow these guidelines? Probably not. These guidelines become hard. How do we love God with all our heart and all our mind? We say it. But then when he makes us mad, we turn on him. We say that we love God with all our heart and all our mind, but we don't put him first. We say that we can love our neighbor until they do us wrong. We say that we can love our neighbor as our love ourselves, but it's hard. I work in school district and that's probably one of the biggest things I have to convey to kids is when they come at me and they're like, so-and-so said that I was ugly. I have to go to them and then I have to go to that other person and I bring them both together and I ask the question of this. Well, do you like being called ugly? Do you like it when people make you mad and upset or hurt your feelings? No. Then why would you say that about that person? And it brings like a realization to them. So basically I'm using the second commandment or the second greatest commandment, the second greatest guideline on them is that I'm just saying like, do you like it when somebody does this to you? Do you like the way it makes you feel? So I ask you that in the same sense. How many of us like to be angry? How many of us like to be sad? How many of us like to be happy? How many of us like to be Uh, frustrated. No, none of us do. How many of you like to be insulted? Nope, none of you. How many of you like to cut people off? How many of you like to get cut off? You don't. But it is a human condition that when somebody does something to you, you do it right back. And it starts in third and fourth grade. I mean, it starts in kindergarten. If somebody does something to them, they want to do it back. And you would think that we would grow out of that phase, but we really don't. When somebody hurts us, all we can think about is how to get revenge. Or, you know what, I'm just going to ignore that person now. Or I'm not going to speak to that person anymore. It's not, you know what, they did me wrong, but how can I pray for them how can, I, how can I help them? How can I still remain God's beloved? That's where we have to be at. That's the mindset that we have to be at. Easy? No. Possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I wish I was here to give you a simple answer and an easy answer. Actually, I do have a simple and easy answer, but the application is a little bit harder. So, in order to love God with all your heart and all your mind, in order to love your neighbor as yourself, you must be recognized as God's beloved. Because if you recognize and know that you're God's beloved, then every time you get into a situation or you need to ask, and this is something I've learned from Pastor Matt is, and it's something that we have kind of taken on on our church now is, does that please God? So if you're about to do something, about to send that mean email, about to yell at somebody, does this please God? Does it please God? Now, Star, you're talking to us and you're saying all these good things and, and, and it sounds great, but you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the hurt I've been. I understand that. Sometimes the glory for others is the sorrow for someone else. And that hurts. The glory for somebody is the sorrow for somebody else. And sometimes we just have to deal with things that we can't help. Sometimes bad things just happen to us. Sometimes we're in bad situations and we can't help it. But that's not a reason to not be his beloved. That's not a reason to give up that title. This is your title. Nobody can take that away from you except yourself. Who is the beloved one? Me. Can we say that? Who is the beloved one? Who is the beloved one? Who is the beloved one? So in your situations, who is the beloved one? In your trials, who is the beloved one? In your happiness and your, your, your excitement, who is the beloved one? You are his beloved. And I'm, I'm going to say it so much today that uh, hopefully you're going to walk out saying, I'm his beloved, I'm his beloved, I'm his beloved. Go to bed, I'm his beloved, I'm his beloved. Because that's what you need to do. You've got to condition your mind. And sometimes the only way to condition your mind is just to do it. You are his beloved. You can only attack those guidelines, the two guidelines, the two rules. Love God with all your heart and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can only attack those if you are acting in his beloved title that he's given you. Otherwise, you will fall short to those guidelines every time. So I've given you basically the antidote, the cure the cure for sin, the cure, the antidote of disbelief, which is you are the beloved and do what pleases the Lord, right? Those are the antidotes. Those are the keys. So now I want to show you um, a story in the Bible that this, basically this story, the story of Hosea, if anybody has ever read it, this story is probably one of the greatest ways that God can show his love and show who he is to us and who we are to him. It's one of these, these great stories. So Hosea, the book of Hosea, Hosea was a prophet, okay? He was a prophet in a time, a really hard time. This is when Israel was split into the northern and southern. He was in charge, or he was a prophet for 10 of the northern tribes of Israel. And this is when Israel just went berserk. Like, there's some, there's some plate times in the Bible where, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah and all those people, they went, they went, you know, way out there and left field with their sin and things like that. But this was a little bit different situation. And by the way, Hosea was really the only prophet in this time for that region. There wasn't somebody else helping him out. So he had all that weight and all that burden on him already. And so basically, Hosea, the book of Hosea is a story of um, 
it goes through God pining for his people to God, showing his mercy to God, saying, if you don't turn it around, this is what's going to happen, to God having a holy righteousness, a holy anger towards the people, to God saying, you know, um, you are my, my beloved, but if you continue this, this is what's going to happen, but you will return to me. He goes through this whole, through Hosea, and I'm not going to read all of it to you because it's a lot. But he goes through this process where it's just kind of, it kind of seems like this up and down thing, but really he's just laying out what is going to happen to them. Like, hey guys, you are messing up royally right now and you're making me frustrated, but I know I love you and I know that you'll come back to me and I forgive you for everything that you have done. So that's kind of the, the story of Hosea. But within that story of Hosea, there's Hosea, the prophet, and then there's Gomer, his wife. So if you know this story, basically Hosea, God told Hosea to take Gomer as his wife. He didn't say Gomer specifically, but he said, take a harlot as your wife. And he basically already told him, and she will be and go into harlotry. She will go into prostitution after you take her as your wife. So he does. He goes, he finds Gomer, and he marries her. They have uh, three, I think, one son, a daughter, and a son. They named them these names. Basically, one's God's not my people. I mean, excuse me, you are not my people. Um, another one, I'll, I'll give you the names real quick. Um, Lo, the, the girl's name was Lo Ramaha for... I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel. Um, and lo, Ammonai, for you are not my people. And this seemed kind of harsh to name your kids this, right? But God was trying to paint a picture. And he was trying to show them that, not that you are not my people like I abandon you, but he was showing you are not my people because you are not acting as my beloved in this moment. You are not acting like you should. I mean, guys, these people were having sexual immoralities in the temple. That's why I was trying to tell you that this, this sort of sin they were doing was, was harsh. Because they were not only having sexual immorality as in the physical, but they were having spiritual sexual immoralities. The priests were allowing, if not partaking, into these men and women coming into the temple and basically having adultery acts to uh, worship Baal, which is the god of fertility. So these, these people were not just sinning, but they were wholly sinning, right? They were spiritually sinning, like desecrating temples. And God is just like, I will not have mercy on you. What this means is you will have a consequence for your actions. Because when I first read that and I was thinking like, man, how could God say that? How could God say you are not my people and then later on say you are my people? I was like, that don't make sense. Like God, God usually makes sense and that don't make sense. So basically the conclusion is that he wasn't dis, like abandoning them. He was just saying this is not who you are. This is not who I called you to be. This is not what you're supposed to be doing for yourself or for each other. This is not loving each other. Not only was it breaking all the commandments, it just wasn't who he called us to be. More than anything, more than anything that God wants us to do, he wants us to be who he called us to be, which is what? There we go. We're getting it. We're getting it. We're getting it. It didn't matter what the people did because as you will see in the end, he forgave them. He gave them mercy. And he basically straight up told them, you are now far from me, but you will be back to me. So one thing in here that Hosea had to do when Gomer left him, she had these kids, they got married, she had these kids, and then she left him and went back into prostitution, went back into harlotry. So he was kind of, I think, probably be in there like, doesn't give too much on that story, but it, he was probably like, so now what, God? Like, you know? And so God told him, 
go get her back. That's your wife. That will be your wife. Go get her back. Go buy her back. And that's what he had to do. He not only had to go and be like, get off the streets, let's go home. No. He had to buy her back. So I don't know if she had, you know, somebody there that was telling her where to go, what to do, and making money off of her. Not sure how that was working, but he had to buy her back. Have you ever had to pay for something that was already yours? Anybody? Oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think about that one. He said, your kids. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. All right. I will give you one story. Has, that one was better than mine. But this one time I needed quarters. This was before I had a washing machine. I had to go to the washeteria, and I needed quarters. I had a $10 bill. I go into H-E-B at the, the main place, and I was like, can I have a roll of quarters? And they grab me the roll of quarters, and they get it out, and right when he's about to give it to me, he goes, do you want me to take it out, take the 20 cents out of here, or do you have 20 cents on you? And I'm like, excuse me? He's like, yeah, you got to pay 20 cents to get the roll of quarters. And I was like, excuse me? I was like, wait, so I have a $10 bill. And you have $10 worth of quarters, and I have to give you 20 cents? Ask Jasmine. I said this story to her like 50 times because I was so frustrated. Why do I have to pay for something that's already mine? That doesn't make sense. Right? Why do we have to pay for something that's already yours? So if you've ever experienced something like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But yet, that's what Hosea had to do. Gomer was already his. He already was paying for the children. He already paid for the wedding or however that went. And he was, they were already married, but yet he had to go pay for what was his. Does that sound familiar? Where am I going with this? Anybody know? God paid for what? was already his. God paid for you. And he shouldn't have had to. I shouldn't have had to pay that 20 cents, but I did. He had to pay for you. He had to not only pay for you, but pay for every sin that you are going to do, have done, and will, are maybe even doing now. He paid for it. He's not continuing to pay for it. This is the hardest thing to get people to understand. It really is, especially new Christians. It's so hard to get people to understand this. He paid for you once. He doesn't pay for you every time. So every time you sin or every time you're mean to somebody or every time you make a mistake, he doesn't repay for you. He paid for you once through Jesus Christ. So let me read to you one of the Hosea, chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. And this is just to encourage you and to show you the mercy of God and God's mercy and kind of what he wants from you and what he's done for you. Verse 19 says this, I will betroth you to me forever in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. So what does betrothed mean? It means get married, join together, yoke together, right? This is a bond. This betrothal is a bond that can't be broken. And yes, I, I think this betrothal ha, has kind of two meanings there. Yes, the betrothal that he's talking about is Jesus and when that happened. But I, I know that also the betrothal will, will be there when he comes back again, right? So he's saying, I will betroth you to me forever. 
Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. So how do we know the Lord? How can we know the Lord? Become his beloved through betrothal. It shall come to pass, verse 21, that in that day that I will answer, says the Lord, I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth. The earth shall answer with grain and new wine and with oil and shall answer Jezreel. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and they shall say, you are my God. Amen. When we understand the beloved process, when we understand the betrothal process, when you understand and you take grasp that you were bought once for a very, very costly price, we understand God's love. And we receive and understand who we were created to be. Now, when I say that, yes, we are created to do things, right, and to be things. But when I say created to be, I am simply talking about you were first and foremost to be created to be God's beloved. Because if you grasp that, then you grasp the two guidelines, and then there's no disconnect between man, God, or yourself. The next scripture, 1 John Chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Got that? There we go. I want them to see this. Sorry. It's like peeking. Anyway. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we shall be called children of God. Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I want to read that last verse to you. See if you can connect to that. And everyone who has this hope in him. What hope? That you have it feeling it. When everyone who has this beloved feeling in them is purified. Just as he is pure. How do you have a clean heart? Know that you're beloved. There's no, there's nothing, there's no sacrifice you can give. There's, there's no tithing. There's no offering. There's, there's nothing that you can give to set your soul free. It's already free. And that's the beauty part about what God has done. Not only that you were bought once, so no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter how you treat people, you are forgiven. But the greatest part about that is you are bought not into slavery, but you are bought into freedom. You are bought into everlasting life. Not only did he buy you for this world and to, to, to live in this world, but he bought you for the world after, the life after. You are bonded, you are betrothed, you are connected, you are beloved to him forever and always. So if, if being forgiven for everything we've done isn't enough, 
know that you are forever with him and you are forever free, free from bondage, free from that disconnect between man, God, and ourselves, free from that sin, free from being useless. And what I mean by useless, I didn't really touch on that, but what I mean by useless is if you are in your disbelief towards man, then how are you supposed to show yourself to man? How do you show your love to God? And how do you love yourself? When disbelief takes a hold of your heart, when sin takes a hold of you, you are useless to man, God, and yourself. And then you're stuck. In the, and I think that is where people get stuck. And that is where people think that my life is over. I don't want to live for anything anymore. I can't move on. This depression has overtaken me. This anxiety has got me. When we fall into those symptoms, those pits, then we're useless to who we're called to be. <clears throat> but again, we don't have to be there. If you can grasp a hold and say in every situation that you go through, no matter how easy or hard, I am God's beloved. He will take care of me. Can I, I'm going to ask kind of a personal question. Obviously, I don't want you to say something specific, but has anybody ever gone through, or should I say it like this, whatever situation that you've gone through in your life, how hard, how easy, and you've plowed through it with God, has any of that ever been not rectified by God, I guess is the best way to put it? If you don't understand what I'm saying is that there's that scripture that talks about he will turn all things for the good in the glory of him, Right? So that's what I'm basically asking. Is there a situation in your life where you've relied on God to help you through that situation that he has not shown something good from? Try to really, really try and think. I, I want to challenge you to think on that. Because the answer is no. If you're still in that situation, maybe you don't see the light yet. Maybe you haven't seen that God is working in that mist yet. So maybe you can't answer me yet. But I know for a fact that every hard circumstances that you go through, every situation that has just hurt your heart or torn you to pieces, God has prevailed through. And he has made a way and a, and, and a light to that. He has shown his life through that. He has shown his light through that. And he has changed that situation for the glory of him. Now, it may not have been your outcome and what you wanted for the glory of you, but I guarantee you it was for the glory of him. I know, I mean, I'm speaking for my sister. I hope she doesn't get mad at me, but having Kendrick's my nephew probably was the hardest thing that our family went through together. But it was also the best thing that could have happened to our family. He changed my sister's life. She came to church. She began to love God. She's serving in the kids' ministry to this day. My prayer for her was answered because she wasn't living this life. My mom was in a deep depression because we had just lost our father. And my mom was in this depression like I really didn't, I thought she was going to have to go in a mental hospital that bad. And Kendrick's came and it, it got her out of it. She was healed. So there is no situation, I'm telling you that right now, if you are going through a situation, you're going through a frustration, there's no situation that God will not turn for his glory. If you notice, my sister is now serving him because of the son she had out of wedlock. There's no situation he will not turn for his glory. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, 12, verse 17. 
in my book, in my Bible, it talks about in the title in there is character of a new man, right? Therefore, as the elect of God, what's the elect? Anybody know? Chosen. So who is he talking about here? The beloved, which is who? You. So as the people of God, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If any one has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You don't have to be perfect to love somebody. You don't have to be perfect to love God. You don't have to be perfect to love yourself. But if you can become the beloved and, and begin to seek him, that's exactly what it says. Putting on thing, uh, putting the bond on perfection, right? Love is what is going to make that perfection happen. And let the peace of God rule in your heart to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the world of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What is that saying? Basically, let's have a party with everybody. Let's love everybody. Let's bring each other together. Let's love God's people. Let's love each other. Let's celebrate. And whatever you do in the word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God through, thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're stuck with the position of what to do, what pleases the Lord? That will take you out of sin. That is the antidote to, your, to you saying, well, I can't help it, or it just keeps happening, or I keep, it keeps stumbling. If you would ask before you go in those situations or before you do that act, what pleases the Lord, it takes you out of sin. It takes you out of that position. Because if you can truly answer what the question you're asking, you won't do it anymore. And then in 1 Peter 2, 9, 10. This is my favorite scripture, I would say, of all time. Um, I've always cling, clung on to this scripture and just kind of made it my own anthem. Um, it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who once you were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not attained mercy, but now who have obtained mercy. And that was all because of Jesus Christ. So when you're faced with disbelief, whether it's towards man, towards God, or towards yourself, I will say this, and this is kind of opposite of, of how we kind of handle business and how we handle our job. Usually when there's a problem or an issue, right, we go and attack that problem. We attack that. We find a solution for that problem. Well, I'm going to tell you to do the total opposite. When you have a problem with man, when you have a problem with God, or you have a problem with yourself, do not attack the situation. Just remain the beloved. 
Because if you attack each individual situation, you will be in a wheelhouse for the rest of your life. Because man will never stop failing you. You will always have a problem with somebody at some point in your life. Some, somebody will always test you. Somebody will always hate you. Somebody will always hurt you. If you continue to attack that situation, you will be in a wheelhouse. If you continue to attack God individually in that situation, individually, why, God, did you give somebody such such glory, but you gave me such sorrow. Why, God, did, did you allow that to happen? Why, God, did, did my child um, always disobedient or not go into Christ? I raised him up in the church. Where, what has happened? Why, God, did you not help me with this situation? You will constantly be going in this wheelhouse time and time again if you just attack those piece by piece yourself, you're always going to be in a battle with yourself. Whether you feel good, whether you feel bad, whether you feel like you're enough for your spouse, whether you feel like you're enough for your children or your church, or whether you feel uh, inadequate to take on that next opportunity for the job, or you feel inadequate to No, if you attack those individually, are y'all seeing what I'm saying here? Because I feel like when I said that last statement, y'all were like, hmm? You looked at me kind of like, well, if I don't attack the situation, how do I fix it? That's exactly the point. Because when you attack a situation, your own thoughts and your own procedures get into that situation. And then you want to handle it how you want to handle it instead of how God tells you to handle it. Are you following me now? You cannot attack each individual man, God, and yourself as individuals. It has to come in a package. You only handle it. You only do it how God told you to do it. What pleases the Lord in this situation? How do I show love to this person I hate so much? How do I show love to this person who has helped me so much? How do I show love to the person who has, who has hurt me as a child? How do I show somebody love who has, has, has told me he was going to love me and then left me in the dust or who beats me or who hurts me? How do I show that person love? How do I move on from that? God, how? Well, you do it not by attacking the situation because then your own personality gets in there and not the personality of the beloved. Because the beloved handles everything with mercy. The beloved handles everything with forgiveness. The beloved is cool and calm, just as Jesus was on the cross saying, crucify me. He didn't fight. He didn't tell him when Pontius Pilate was up there saying, hey, you know, who do you say you are? He didn't yell back at the people when they say, you know, you're, you're, you're not the son of God. He didn't say, yes, I am. <laughs> what does it say? He was like a lamb to the slaughterhouse. Why did they use that? Because apparently, I don't know for sure, but apparently lambs are quiet in the slaughterhouse. They don't make noise. That's how Jesus was for us. That's who we The beloved are. But we get in the way. We want to handle every situation. And yet, if you notice, you're in the same situation time and time and time again. That's never going to stop. The only way to change it is to become the beloved. And I got this because God's got me. And I got this because I am the beloved. There's nothing that those people in Israel could do to make God not forgive them. There's nothing that you will do or can do that God will not forgive. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. 
If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.